Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch, and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer, as always, is Lou Pellegrino. Uh, excellent guest this week, somebody who I've interviewed before many times, and it is someone who is well-known in the sports media business. Troy Aikman, of course, is a Hall of Fame quarterback, but also the lead NFL analyst for Fox Sports, and he has held that position since the 2002 NFL season. He, uh, his next couple Thursday night games we have here, Green Bay at Seattle, Washington at Dallas, New Orleans at Dallas. Troy Aikman this year doing Thursday night football in addition to his usual Sunday afternoon football assignment. And uh, we get into a lot of stuff on this podcast about how he is preparing now for two games a week. Um, we talk about sort of how to have success as an analyst, something that uh, has certainly been in the news when it comes to Troy, when it comes to Tony Romo, I should say, and Jason Witten. And then we get into some other uh, topics, including what Troy might want to do post-broadcasting uh, and whether he pays attention when Fox is interested in other analysts like Peyton Manning, or potential analysts, I should say, like Peyton Manning, etc. So we got 40 minutes or so with Troy Aikman, the lead NFL analyst on Fox Sports. I think you're going to enjoy this on the Sports Media Podcast with Richard Deitch. Troy Aikman is the lead NFL analyst for Fox Sports and has been so since the 2002 NFL season. Uh, as we tape this, the, his upcoming schedule will definitely include Green Bay at Seattle on November 15th, Washington at Dallas on November 22nd, New Orleans at Dallas on November 29th, and Fox tells me Troy will get some Sunday game. Uh, and he will find out his schedule Soon enough, Troy Aikman has been a guest on this podcast, uh, at least the one I did for Sports Illustrated, so he is a returning guest. And Troy, welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me again, Richard. I really appreciate it. You got it, Troy. So do I. Um, you know, one of the things we talked about the last time we had our conversation was about your preparation, and I want to get to that, um, sort of how Thursday night has changed that. But let's start. just start here. You're now a couple weeks into this. And so what are your just general impressions of having a Thursday night football schedule and, and working that day of the week? Yeah, initially, uh, I guess the thought by Fox, Richard, initially was that they would have an entirely separate crew that would be doing the Thursday night package. And that, quite honestly, seemed to make the most sense to me, that you have a Monday night crew, you have a Sunday night crew, you have Sunday afternoon crews with CBS and Fox that... You know, it seems to me that branding Thursday night with a separate crew was was uh, was logical, and you know, for various reasons, it it didn't go that way. And Joe Buck and I were approached and asked if we would like to to be a part of it. And and it, you know, I had to kind of get my head around that a little bit because I wasn't sure exactly what that would mean uh, with my travel schedule, having a family, uh, preparation, as you talked talked about, but. Although I had uh, some some concerns, I guess going in, it, it's been beyond anything that that I could have imagined, and it's been a lot of fun. I think the broadcasts that we do on Thursday nights are different. I think they needed to be different, but there is a there is a different feel to it for me. And Joe has said the same thing, and it, it's been it's been it's been exciting to to be the only game on. Uh, and granted, that we went into the year expecting great games there were a lot of games that were pulled from the fox sunday schedule and put on thursday nights and and uh so that that created some excitement around that package as well and and we started out the year with some really great games it hasn't been quite as good 
uh, here in recent weeks, and it just shows you that it's it's hard. It's hard on schedule makers to try to have compelling games when there's no way to flex out or when you don't have multiple games to choose from as to which one's going to be the marquee game. But for me personally, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of work. Uh, it's it's come at a time, Richard, when I think I was ready for it. Uh, I've been broadcasting since 2001, and I've just been doing sun, Sunday games. I've had my routine, and for it to kind of get uh, shaken up a little bit this year and uh, go about it a little bit differently with multiple games has, I think, been a good thing for me. All right, so a couple of things there, Troy. One of the things, uh, I was on a conference call with you and Joe, and I remember Joe saying that he thought the the reason why Thursday night felt different was it felt looser. You guys could um, maybe show more humor. It, it he didn't he wasn't sort of saying necessarily that the, the broadcast wasn't serious, but he just thought it felt lighter or airier. And I wonder, one, do you agree with him? And if two, specifically, how has that manifested itself just in the byplay between you two and and your own broadcasting on Thursday night? Yeah, I do find that to be true. I think the Thursday, it just, I think from the time we go into the booth, it just has a different feel to it. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's because it's a night game, if it's because it's the only game that's on, if it's because it's it's prime time and you feel like, okay, well, this is more than just a football game. This is more, this is a, as much a show as it is a game. And, but I don't. I wouldn't say that. At least from my perspective, I, I didn't go in consciously saying, "Okay, well, I'm going to be looser, or we're going to be looser, and this is what's going to be different about Thursday night." I think we have, we certainly have more enhancements from from a production standpoint on Thursday nights. We're throwing more at Thursday nights than than we do on Sundays. Uh, so I think, I think that has all added to it, and. And then I think also that when you're doing some of the games, especially some of the games that we've had in recent weeks that, that aren't real compelling matchups, and then the games unfold and the games aren't that close, well, fans just aren't hanging on to, to every play. And, and so that then tends to lend itself to being a little bit looser also. But uh, it, 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 it just has kind of morphed into what it's been. And I, but I think that because of the fact that it is different and, and, and Joe and I – Again, without a whole lot of conversation about it, it's just it's just happened organically. I think uh, it's why it's been an enjoyable game for me, even when we've had some of those games that that haven't been all that great. Um, it's been a lot of fun being a part of it, and and quite honestly, I'd hate to give it up. Well, that's interesting, Trevor, because that was my next question. You know, one of the things that um, sort of was published out there was, and you sort of made mention of this, Fox was looking or thinking about doing a separate Thursday night crew. It seems pretty clear they made overtures to Peyton Manning and maybe some other people, and it didn't work out. They eventually go back to you and Joe. I hope you and your agent got paid for this. You should certainly should have. And, <laughs> and, and so, um, so, but what is the sustainability, at least in your opinion, in that, like, do you think it is, is it realistic for, let's say, your crew to do this for the next five years? Would that be unsustainable just given travel and, and life schedule, but I know I'm asking to sort of like hypothesize a little bit, but what, what is, if you like doing this, what is realistic about you doing this on Sundays for an extended period of time? Well, I think, I think that's a fair question. I, I think as far as saying, is it sustainable? I, I'll, I'll speak for Joe and I and, and Aaron and Christina Pink, I suppose that I believe that it is because, you know, we've done it up to this point and it's been sustainable. And then, you know, we're not doing it 
12 months out of the year. So we have an off season to where, you know, whatever fatigue we may be feeling, you know, we, we'll be able to get recharged certainly throughout the off season and then, and then attack it again. So uh, I know that for those that are on our crew, uh, the, the, the real laborers of the crew, they may feel a little bit differently. They may say, wow, this is just way too much. Um, uh, so I don't want to, I don't want to speak for them, but, um, uh, but yeah, it's it, we've gotten exposed to something that that we've really enjoyed. Uh, we don't have as much time together as we would when we were just doing Sunday games. We'd go in on Friday. Now we're generally getting in the day before games so that we can get home and, and see our families in between. And then also, Richard, uh, we have some Sundays off. So when it's a single header on Fox, we're off, and that's presented a whole nother thing for me that I've never gotten to experience for a fall and that's be home and be a fan and watch games and and uh and then get to spend time with my with my family and my kids and so uh that that's been a, a real positive from all this also and as I touched on a little bit my my concern going into it was was how am I going to be prepared and and do each broadcast justice and and not shortcut anything and and I have found that I can do that. I, I, I've not gone into a game yet where I didn't feel as prepared as I've been going into any Sunday game uh, when I was just working one game a week. And and as long as I can do that, then it's sustainable. Now it's it, it requires a, a, you know obviously a, a lot of work. I mean it's a, there's a, there's a there's a lot of sleepless nights and and early mornings and 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 getting after it. But that's that's all part of it. Uh, you know the work has never been anything at any level in any profession for me that I've shied away from. And, and so, uh, uh, yeah, I believe that it is sustainable and, and I, I believe that we'll continue to do this Thursday package moving forward. All right, Troy. So you've brought, you've sort of brought us to the preparation part. So let's just start with Monday morning. You're, you're done with your game on Sunday. You've either gotten home Sunday night or, or early Monday morning. Can you start your week for me? And let's take a week where you'd both have a Thursday game and a Sunday game. What is your day-to-day in terms of being able to prepare for both of these games? Yeah, so I get up about 5 o'clock in the morning, and, and I immediately then start trying to get my boards uh, prepared for the upcoming game. And, and that's the first thing that I start with and getting familiar with the rosters and updating, if I've had the team before, updating the statistics that are on my on my boards. And so that's where it begins. Um, and then I am fortunate that I have film from, even if it's a, a game – like for instance that uh I'm doing on a Thursday and or on a Sunday and I haven't they, the team hasn't yet played the their most recent game but yet I have my I have film from their prior weeks of play to where I'm able to to dig in there and start watching film on the teams and and so I found that uh as far as as far as my my prep now for a Thursday game for instance let's just say like today we had a game yesterday we were in New Orleans doing the Rams and and Saints this morning I got up uh, early and started working on my boards. Uh, have not yet started watching film. That will happen as soon as we finish this podcast, and and then uh, and dive in and get familiar with the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Carolina Panthers. We had week one, so uh, there's some carryover and crossover with them. Uh, I'll spend most of the day, all of today, and a good part of tomorrow catching up on Pittsburgh on how they got to where they are right now. <clears throat> the things that they're doing well, the things that they're not doing so well, what's changed with their roster, all that goes with that. And where I would have seven days, six days, whatever it might be, to get ready for one game a week, I now 
find that I can fully immerse myself, even when I have two teams that I haven't seen all year, like I did last Thursday with the 49ers and the Raiders, uh, I can I can spend an entire day on one team, and at the end of that day, feel I know that team exceptionally well, and the players, and I've watched film, and I'm and I'm ready to talk about that team. And then the next day, you know, I utilize that day for the for the other team, and and then at the end of that day, I feel like I'm ready to go, and and that comes in handy when we've had a Thursday game and it's a quick turnaround, and then we're doing a Sunday game, and we've had a couple of those to where it's been teams that I haven't been quite as familiar with or I haven't yet seen this year. Uh, so so I guess my comfort level has come with knowing that that I can be fully prepared to the best of my ability to do a game after two days of, of just, you know, locking in and, and spending as much time on it as possible. Uh, but it takes a real commitment without, without many distractions, but, uh, but that's okay. Uh, Troy, you have, uh, you have high school-age children, and so when a game ends on Thursday night, do you immediately go to the city of your Sunday game? Or are you able to get home for a day and then leave again for the whatever wherever the Sunday game is, presuming it's not in Dallas? Yeah, it, it has varied, Richard, depending on where the next game might be. For instance, we were in New England doing a Thursday night game, and then our Sunday game was in Philadelphia. So it didn't make sense for me to come home, get home at – four or five in the morning uh, from New England and then turn around and try to get back to Philadelphia. So I just went straight to Philadelphia. There's been times I've been on the West Coast for a Rams game, and then I've just shot up to San Francisco for a Thursday night game. But generally speaking, I do get home, uh, and I'm, I get home, and this is, the way, this is the way I've always been. I, I like being home, and I, I try to be home as much as I possibly can uh, with my family, especially, as you mentioned, with – with my girls, they're, one's a sophomore, one's a junior. I have two stepsons that are freshmen and juniors. And so these, these days are, are going fast and uh, just don't want to miss out on anything. And I, if you ask me what is the negative of the schedule, that, that really is the only negative is that uh, my stepson on junior varsity, it's a freshman, his games were on Thursdays. And so I missed, I missed all of them. Uh, I have missed some of my daughter's uh, volleyball games and field hockey games because of the days that they've fallen on and, me, and my travel schedule. And, and that, that's been the only real negative to where if I was only doing Sundays, I wouldn't be missing nearly as much. And uh, so that's the thing i got to kind of reconcile a little bit. But then when the off season rolls around, then I'm, I'm all there. It's 24-7, and I get to attend everything. So, you know, for those fathers that are out there listening to this, uh, I've got the greatest job in the world. And, and every father who's working and every mother who's working certainly understands that th- there are some sacrifices that come, you know, with providing. So, uh, it's, uh, you know, I'm not certainly the lone ranger here, and I get to attend a lot more than, than most people. So I feel very fortunate. With all those uh, teenagers, uh, Troy, are you now steeped in, like, Generation Z uh, like content, you know who Ariana Grande is, and anyone else who your average sixteen-year-old could be listening to? Uh, no, and I tell you, the, the one who the one who tries to keep me relevant is is more Joe Buck than than my teenage kids. You're in, you're you're in big trouble, then, Troy. It's over. I, I'm telling you, big trouble. What um one of the things that um one of the things that has been interesting over the last couple of years is to watch um the feedback that Tony Romo received as a first-year analyst and then comparing that to some of the other feedback that, let's say, somebody like Jason Witten has gotten 
this year. Um, you know, I realize these guys are competitors. They're at different networks. But just as an overall observation, Troy, as someone who's obviously been doing this for a long time, um, is is Tony was Tony just such an outlier that you don't often see that kind of praise for a for a first year broadcaster? Was it was it something else? Because I think and Jason Witten's been pretty honest about this. You know, he's received from he's received some negative press and he's addressed that this year. And and Tony, generally speaking, did not face nearly any of that in his rookie season, which which almost is unheard of, at least in terms of the broadcasting levels that all you guys are at. Yeah, I, I think that the, I, I guess the outlier, so to speak, was was Tony going right from the playing field into the number one booth and, and doing it in a two-man booth. I, I, I don't know, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I don't know who else has done that. I know there's been others who have gone right from the playing field to the number one booth, but they've been in a three-man booth. And uh, maybe you can maybe you can tell me, Richard, but I, I don't know of anyone who's done that in a two-man booth. And yeah. and I, I obviously it's a challenge. I mean, I think broadcasting is is uh, is challenging in itself. There's there's a lot to there's a lot to learn. I think there's a lot to it. I mean, it's 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 not impossible. Hell, I'm doing it. But you know, I mean, I, I think that the, usually the reps come in years as opposed to weeks. I think. As far as uh, progress, Dick Stockton once said to me, he says, you know, you, you, your your improvements come year to year as opposed to week to week. And I, and, and I believe in that because you, you just don't get to go practice. And I think that we as athletes, when you're not doing something particularly well, you go out and you work on it and you work on it <clears throat> through practice and then and then you improve. Um, whereas this, you only get to practice when you're doing it live uh, in front of a live audience, you know, once a week. So. I think that's that's the one. Um, as far as as far as whatever praise Tony uh, may have received and 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 whatever criticisms uh, Jason Witten may be receiving, I, I really I really can't answer that, Richard. To be quite honestly or quite honest with you, I, I just don't know exactly what all is is being said. But I think that in general, this business is all about opinion it's just all word of mouth or what someone likes or doesn't like and there's no way of really you know there there are people who you could look at on television and say wow this guy is or this gal is is you know really great and someone else may say no not not really i don't think so and nobody's right or wrong and and you know like likewise you could say that well, there are certain fundamental things that are required of a job. This person doesn't do them, and yet someone may say, "Hey, I think it's great," and uh, and and so th- that's fine. And and I think that's the thing that has has always been hard for athletes when they go into television is, okay, well, there's no real scoreboard. How how can anybody say whether I'm good or how can anyone say whether I'm bad if it's all about opinion? And uh, and so I, I think that that's been that's what's happened with everybody. And, uh, and it's one of the frustrations, I guess you could say of, of this profession, but why one person is received favorably and why some other person may not be received as favorably. Gosh, if someone can figure that out, um, you know, let me know, because I think it's just all a matter of taste, preference, style, you know, uh, whatever, whatever draws people or attracts people to things that they like or want to hear. 
Yeah, it's the it's really one of the ultimate subjective businesses, but just like acting and singing, etc. Um, one of the things that uh, I remember we talked about the last time you were on was feedback. And it was interesting to me, I, re- I remember this, that there was a while when you were not getting feedback and you specifically asked for it from your Fox bosses and then started getting some some in-depth feedback. And I wanted to follow up on that. What, what kind of feedback, Troy, are you getting on a week-to-week basis? And now specifically, because you're doing two games a week and you're part of a whole new package, do you do you get different sets of notes? Do you get just one set of notes on both games? How does it work now? Well, as far as feedback, uh, th- yes, we get plenty of feedback now. <laughs> so things, things have changed a little bit at Fox. <laughs> Initially, um, yeah, and as I said on that last podcast, I guess, that you know, as players, we're used to every single, you know, there was not a throw that I made in a practice that was not critiqued, uh, that was not watched uh, by the coaches, was, that wasn't watched by me and the coaches, and, and, and I was told, yes, that's good, no, that's bad. And then you get into television, and it's a communication business, and you're not getting that kind of feedback, and no one's telling you, hey, this was really good, or hey, we'd like to for you maybe do a little less of this, or maybe this phrase is a little redundant, or, you know, whatever it might be, and and so I was working with Daryl Johnston my first year, and, and he and I, we felt the same way. He had come out a year ahead of me, and, and then, then we were thrown in the booth together, and we would sit there and we'd ask our producer, Richie Zients, and say, hey, let's watch this together, and you tell us what you like. And so we did that for a while. And, and then, Fox, what's happened here over the last several years is, and we don't even know who's reviewing the, the game but there is a, a reviewer who, who watches the game, makes notes, um, and then we get, usually within a day or two after our games, we get a review on, on what they thought of our broadcast and you know what they liked, what they thought was good, what maybe they thought uh, we could improve upon. And that's been, that's been good. Um, it's been nice, and every crew gets that. It's not just for me. It's not just for me and Joe or, or the number one crew. Every crew gets it, and so that's been a real positive with Fox uh, as, as those departments have grown and they've had the, the resources to be able to do that. But I still go back and watch every game on the way home and and try to figure out for myself what what I think worked or what I felt didn't work. And I think that what's happened – there's come there's games that I come out of Richard and I think man that that just that wasn't as good as I would have liked for it to be uh, and then there's other games that I come out of and say wow that was really that was really good you know I feel really good about that broadcast just just the same way as a player but just like as a player it seems that when I'm a little down and frustrated with maybe some of the things that I maybe did during a broadcast when I watch it I say you know it really wasn't that bad it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought maybe it was or and then when I think I did good then and you know what it really wasn't as good as I thought it was and and I always felt that as a player there were games I came out of and I thought man I really played great and then I watched the tape and I think oh that wasn't so good after all and uh and it's the old saying that Terry Donahue used to always say to us back at UCLA he'd say hey things are never as good as you think they are and they're never as bad as you think they are and I I found that to be true in life and I found it to be true certainly in football as well as in broadcasting and I try to keep it in perspective Troy, one of the things that um, uh, you mentioned early in this podcast was about uh, you know how your sort of teenage family that you have, and in relation to that, you have said, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you um, it, something that you were potentially interested in when your kids were out of the house was to transition from broadcasting into maybe some kind of football 
management. Now, the last I saw that was a couple of years ago. Has your thinking right. have you, has your thinking evolved on that? Is that something you'd still be interested in, or do you see yourself more continuing with broadcasting for the long haul? Yeah, it's a, it's a fair question, and I, I I don't know to be quite honest with you, Richard. Um, it, that is a challenge. <clears throat> I, I think most former players, especially former quarterbacks, would tell you that at some point they would love to run a team, and and I'm no different from that. Um, I, I think that maybe if I had had kids when I was still playing, and I had them right after I retired, that I I like in all likelihood I would have pursued that uh, fairly hard when I retired. And, and now I'll be 52 here in a couple of weeks and, you know, it's a young man's game. And I think that, that clubs now, although I still believe I, I would be good at it. Uh, I, 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 I've never done anything. I've never taken anything on that. I didn't think I'd be successful doing, but if you're a team and you're going to invest the time into someone like myself at my age, and let's just say, okay, when my freshman gets out of high school, then I'll be 55, 56 years old. And, and is, is a club going to invest the time in me that I think would be required in order for me to, to, to get up to speed and be ready to, to roll, uh, and then be 60 years old. And, and, uh, does that make sense? Yeah. And, and the answer to that is probably not. So, you know, I'm pretty realistic when it comes to most things. And I, I don't know that that opportunity would ever present itself. If it did, would I would I take it on? Uh, maybe it would depend on where uh, where would I be moving to, uh, knowing that I would be investing a great deal of time and uh, and it would be an all-consuming uh, proposition for me and and how then would that look for the rest of of you know my life or for the time with my wife and what we maybe have planned, but television's been awesome. Um, it's, 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 and I think it's going to be even more joy enjoyable once my kids do go off to college, because I, I won't be racing back, uh, after every ball game, I'll be able to enjoy some of these cities and, and enjoy some of the travel that comes with it. So, uh, I, I have a, as I said earlier, I have a great, great job and, and I would never want to give this job the stiff arm and, and not fully embrace it and, and be thankful for it. But do I feel that there's possibly another challenge out there for me? Yeah, I do. I've, I've, I've said many times that I still feel there's another frontier for me. And what that might be, is it, is it possibly being in the front office for, for an NFL team? Maybe. And maybe it's, maybe it's not even sports related. Uh, I don't know, but I do feel there's something else for me. And, and I know I'm not going to broadcast as great as it's been. I'm, I'm not going to broadcast until they just kick me out of the booth. Uh, I'm, I mean, in, 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 unless they kick me out next week, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not hoping that happens. But um, at some point, I'm going to I'm going to reach a, a, a point in my life where I'm just going to say, OK, this has been great, but it's just time to go on and do something else. All right. We're going to take a break from our conversation with Troy Aikman to talk about Lightstream, which is sponsoring this edition of the Sports Media Podcast with Richard Deitch. Have you ever looked at your credit card statement and been shocked by the interest rate? Did you know you could actually roll all of your credit card debt into one monthly payment at a lower fixed interest rate? Lightstream offers credit card consolidation loans from 5.89% APR with auto pay lower than your average credit card interest rate of over 18% APR. Get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000, and you can even get your funds as soon as the day you apply. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a great interest rate, no fees. And here's a fun fact. 
Lightstream plants a tree with every loan they fund. My listeners can save even more with an additional interest rate discount on top of Lightstream's already low rates. How do you get that? The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash Richard. That is L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash Richard. Subject to credit approval. Rate includes 0.50% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash Richard for more information. That's lightstream.com slash Richard. All right, a couple, um, a couple more to try, and then I'll let you go. Why do you think, um, why do you think viewership is up this year in the NFL? It's uh, there, you know, it's it was down the last couple of years. I think there were people who thought that if it was either flat or a little bit down, it would be a success. But the opposite has happened. Uh, generally speaking, across the board, viewership is up this year. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I wouldn't get into the politics of it and say whether or not that hurt the game last year or the year before or why there's not as much discussion from the president and how maybe that's helping. I, I you know, I'm, I'm not qualified to even weigh in on, on those things, but I, I will say this, Richard, when, when things were going great and every year there were these steady increases in, in viewership, you know, I'd made the comment, I, I made this comment probably 10 years ago. I said, at some point it's not going to continue. I mean, it, it, nothing continues on that path forever. And so it wasn't me projecting anything. It was just simply stating kind of the obvious. And, and, and along with that, just the natural progression of things, uh, one. But then, two, the game has changed uh, you know, with, with the safety concerns and the rules that have gone into place to protect the players. And the, whether people believe that the game is oversaturated or not is, is, is up to somebody else. But... I know baseball would say that they maybe oversaturated their sport uh, back when football overtook them as the number one sport. Um, you know, so I think you've got to. Be, I think you have to be mindful of that. You got to be careful of that. But whatever the reasons were, there was a decline, and and then I think it stands to reason that eventually, at some point, the declines aren't going to continue. Now, did, did we pull out of the declines soon? Yes. I mean, was I expecting ten years of declines? Absolutely not. Um, I think we have a great game. I think we have compelling games. We have great superstars. Uh, these guys are phenomenal athletes. The games have, have never been, for the most part, closer than they are now. These games come down to the wire. Uh, I think all of that is, is really compelling stuff. And, and uh, football still is a really popular sport. So I'm not surprised that, that it's increased at all. Um, I, I thought that that would happen, and, uh, and it has now. Whether it would happen this year or next year or whatever that might be was was you know I didn't have an opinion on that but I'm not surprised that it's that it's up this year just based on what we're throwing out there each week and the people that are playing the game. All right, I got uh, four more for you, and I'd be remiss not to ask you this, but I also understand you, you want to be sort of diplomatic here. Uh, that's fine as well. Um, when we talked a couple of years ago, Troy, you were very blunt, uh, and I appreciated this, by the way. You were always candid with me. Uh, it's not a surprise, to be honest, um, that you did not respect some of the decisions that former FS1 president Jamie Horowitz made, and specifically the hiring of Skip Bayless. Horowitz is now gone. Bayless remains spewing his daily inanities on FS1. You have not gone anywhere near that show, and I wanted to know if that was ultimately how you approached your disappointment in that hire, that you just basically would just sort of separate yourself, not appear on that property, and sort of go on with what you had to do. Yeah, I, uh, I you know, I've made my feelings known uh, back when the hire took place. Um, 
you know, it's not something that I that I care to continue to address, uh, and, and nor will I. But knowing what my feelings were at the time, and knowing that that has not changed, it, it it only stands to reason as to why I would not do that show, or maybe some other shows that are on that network. I appreciate that. Thank you for answering that, Troy. Uh, all right, final couple here. Um, what team that you have either seen firsthand or on tape has impressed you the most this year, and why? What team you saying? Yeah, what team? Well, I, I would say the the team that has impressed me or the team that I've really – now, I have not seen Kansas City. So I've, I've seen them on primetime playing some games, but I've not studied them. I will be here in a few weeks because we have them in December on a Thursday night game. Uh, so I'm going off of the teams that I have actually studied and watched. The, ones, the one that, that I've really enjoyed watching – has been uh, the Los Angeles Rams and and really enjoyed the game that we had yesterday between the Rams and the Saints. Saints, of course, won that game. Uh, I love Sean Payton and, and, and Drew Brees and the things that they're doing, but from an offensive standpoint and really watching the way Sean McVay has been able to incorporate a power running game with Todd Gurley and yet still have the explosiveness of the passing game and the different players that they have, the way in which they run their routes, the crispness, uh, the spacing they have within their offense. Uh, I, I think they're exceptionally well coached. I felt that Sean McVay, when he was at Washington, I thought Washington at that time with Kirk Cousins, that they were as disciplined uh, and as well coached as, as any offensive team in football. And, and I feel that way now about the Los Angeles Rams. And I think I think route running in, in our league is, is somewhat of a lost art. And, and for me, knowing my background with Norv Turner and Ernie Zampezi and, 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 and the requirements uh, and the emphasis on how those routes were run and the precision in which they needed to be run, uh, I, I guess I'm a bit of a stickler when it comes to evaluating those things. And when I watch the Rams – they're as good as anybody at doing it. So they've been the most fun team for me as an offensive guy, as a quarterback, to follow. The, the other uh, receivers, I will tell you, are in Minnesota with, with Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. They are as good a route runners as anybody that I see in the game right now. And, and so I, I tend to gravitate towards those, those players, those teams uh, that, that are so well coached and seem to do it the way that I'm accustomed to as a, as a quarterback back when I was playing. So uh, those, those have been some of the teams that I've enjoyed watching this year. All right, one more football question, and then I'll end it with broadcasting one. Uh, Troy, Tom Brady is 41 years old. The Patriots are 6-2. and two. I look at his statistics here in front of me. His completion percentage is uh, over 67%. He's already thrown for over 2,000 yards. Uh, interception, touchdown ratio, 16-7 on the positive. Um at this point, I, I don't want to be somebody who sort of dismisses Tom Brady doing whatever Tom Brady wants to do in this game. Uh, but as someone who's a Hall of Fame quarterback, can you just give the people who are listening to this some perspective on the fact that a 41-year-old athlete is doing this in, you know, arguably the most violent game that exists today? Yeah, it's kind of hard for me to get my head around, to be quite honest with you, Richard, because you know I was 34 when when I retired, and and no one was was playing, you know, into their 40s. Um, I, I do think that not only quarterbacks, but what was it, Terrence Newman? He he might have been what 39 yeah, last year 30, when he retired. Corner, yeah. Of course, we saw Jerry Rice. He I think he was 40 when he when he was still playing, and 
you know, but we, I think we will see more and more players outside of quarterback that, that we'll see playing into their 40s uh, because I think for a couple of reasons. I think, you know, to talk about Tom, for instance, one, he takes great care of himself. Uh, and, and guys that are coming into the league now, they're taking better care of themselves right from the beginning. For me, I was about 27, 28 years old before I really started taking my diet seriously. You know, I worked out and I was in shape and all that, but, but really did the things that you, that you need to do if you're going to have that kind of longevity. And Tom's been doing it for a long time. Drew Brees has been doing it for a long time. Aaron Rodgers has gotten into it because he's seen the benefits that Tom Brady has had. Um, and then when you consider the fact that they're, they're just simply not getting hit the same way, I, I know as in your question you said that you know, it's a violent game, and it is a violent game, but, but the guys are protected beyond anything that, that any of us before now experienced. Uh, so I think those two factors, players are taking better care of themselves and they're getting hit less. It's allowed them then to play longer. And for Tom, who, you know, his mobility and ability to run and create plays was never a part of his game. That, that was not his strength. His strength was decision-making, accuracy, and, and, and putting the ball where he needed to put it. Uh, and he can still do that. As long as he has the velocity on the ball, he, he he can play as, you know, he, there's no doubt in my mind that he, he can play until he's 44, 45 years old. I mean, at some point you just simply can't do it anymore. But uh, I don't see that happening, nor does anyone else uh, with Tom Brady. When you look at, like you just did, the numbers and what he's been able to do, I, I think it's the eyeball test. I think there's, <clears throat> I think you, you watch someone play and you can tell rather quickly whether or not, uh, you know he's just not able to do it anymore, and and Tom certainly is 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 not in that category, and I don't think it's approaching anytime soon. Yeah, well, we're taping this on a Monday after the Patriots just beat the Packers. If the eye test is pretty obvious last night, um, he's gonna yeah, be, he's gonna be right. there for a while. That's right. Um, all right, here's here's the final one, Troy. This is and this is sort of the sports media nerd in me um, that I want to ask you this because it's it's just interesting, and most of us are never going to be in this position, uh, but you are. So uh, this is why I'm asking you. So y- you you have a great career. You are Fox's top uh, person. Um, you've had – I'm not sort of trying to kiss your butt here, but you've had a one-in-a-million career when it comes to broadcasting, obviously, after a great NFL career. At the same time, Troy, you know that there are always quarterbacks and other star NFL players coming uh, – retiring every year and the possibility that a network wants to bring them in because there's always sort of a – uh, desire for uh, currency and splashy hires. So, what is it like for you? Sure. What is it like for you when you read of Fox's interest in other analysts? Not even specifically like for your job, but just in your position. Are you always monitoring like who is out there, or if there are potential like Breeze Brady types out there who want to be in broadcasting? How do you how do you look at it, knowing that you have a job that? If you want to use sort of the A jobs in the business, there's only four of them out there. You know, you, you, right. Chris Collinsworth, uh, Tony Romo, and Jason Witten. You know, are just sort of you know just if you want to include the NFL Network, you can. But you know what I'm saying that you just you have a job that only four or five people on earth have, basically. Yeah, I uh, and, and and can you believe that at NBC they don't have a former Dallas Cowboy working for them? <laughs> I know. I mean, what's, what's going on there? Yeah, what's what? What's, <laughs> Clear, clearly, uh, Fre- Fred, Fred, Fred Gadelli dropped Barry, the ball. Hey, I'm joking. I mean, I can only imagine <laughs> people reacting to that. Um, 
I, I don't really pay any attention to that, to be honest with you, Richard. I, I um, cause it's every year, you know, uh, every year somebody is seemingly retiring. Who's, who's a, who's a big name and, and wants to get into television and, you know, it just kind of happens. And I, I'm in my 18th year now. And so, um, I wouldn't even say early on that I gave it a whole lot of thought. I, I just, I, I, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to evade the question at all. I, I just, uh, I just try to go about my business and do the best job that I possibly can. And, and I feel that if I do that, then, then everything will work out, but I understand the question and I understand, you know, why you're asking and, and, uh, and how, when someone, well, first of all, when I was playing, I never thought I'd get into television. I probably said this in our last time we were on the podcast that, that I knew Michael Irvin would get into broadcasting and I knew that Deion Sanders would, but, but once you got beyond those two guys, I mean, it just wasn't something that was discussed within our locker room. And I don't know that it was really discussed in any locker rooms. Right. And then I ended up getting into broadcasting and now I think most players do consider the fact that hey, when I'm done playing, I think broadcasting is something I'd really like to do. They have they have boot camps now where these guys get a chance that are still playing. They get a chance to go and kind of learn the business a little bit. Uh, guys are getting exposed more. They they have some some shows. They're they're doing some interviews and things of that nature when they're knocked out of the postseason. And we see some current guys that are that are serving as analysts and 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 all that's really good. So when somebody retires and they say they're wanting to get into television or they then get into television, I, I really wish them the best. I honestly do, because I, I think that it can be a really great job. And I also know that it can be a really tough job. And as we talked about a little bit earlier, because it's all opinion based, I, I just hope that these guys are able to get into the profession and, and be well received and people talk favorably about them and get to enjoy the life that that I've gotten to enjoy. Now, if, if all of a sudden I was I was contacted by Fox and they said, hey, look, you know, uh, it's been great, but, you know, we're going with this guy, whoever, who just retired and, you know, we think he's a big name and, and you know, would I be disappointed? Of course I'd be disappointed, but it's not something that I, that I really give any thought to uh, when guys are talking about retiring. And, and I think that Richard now, now maybe more than when I got out of football, these guys are these, especially the quarterbacks. I mean, it's, and it's not just quarterbacks that are that are taking these jobs. Of course, you know, with Jason Witten and then Chris Collinsworth. But but these quarterbacks in the league today uh, are making so much money that I don't know that that is a I don't know that that's a real desire for a lot of these guys. They they retire and they they don't need to work. Uh, do you want to wake up each day and feel like you're uh, motivated to go do something. I, I certainly do. And, but there's a lot of different things to do and it doesn't have to be television, but I don't think these, there's any urgency for these guys today, uh, to go find work and, 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 you know, go pursue a second career that, uh, uh, and, and for a lot of them, they don't want to put in the, the, I guess not so much the time, but just the time that's taken away then from their family, uh, when they don't have to do that. So, uh, I think it's going to look and feel a little bit differently in, uh, than than what it has up to this point. I think networks also, uh, as a follow-up to that, I think networks have realized that they've got to pay a little bit more to attract some of these guys because of the amount of money that they've been able to, to make during their careers. Hmm. 
Interesting. Troy Aikman is the lead NFL analyst for Fox Sports and has been so since the 2000 NFL season. Uh, you can catch him and Joe Buck, uh, Aaron Andrews, Christina Pink on Thursday Night Football. Troy's next game's on there. I do know Green Bay at Seattle, Washington at Dallas, New Orleans at Dallas. A couple weeks at home for Troy. That's pretty nice, and I'm sure you will see him. Yeah. You'll see him on a Sunday sometime in November uh, when they flex out. Troy, uh, it's always great to catch up with you. Um, you know, when we've either talked in person or on the phone, I've always I've always enjoyed those conversations, and I hope we can do it again in the future. Thanks so much for coming on the Sports Media Podcast. Richard, thank you so much. I always love being on your podcast and visiting with you. So anytime you want me, I'm ready to go. All right, back in the studio, my thanks to Troy Aikman, uh, who's always an excellent guest. You could also catch the one I did with him on the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I think it was 2017, but but he's always uh, an interesting guy and just thinks about questions before he answers, which is is really all you can ask of a guest. Um, Prior to Troy... We had uh, Kate Abdow, Mitch Album, and Chad Finn. Kate Abdow, of course, is the host of Fox's soccer coverage as well as uh, Bleacher Report Turner's Champions League coverage. She was really, really good and has had an interesting career. Uh, we've had shows on why NFL ratings are up. Uh, Rachel Nichols and Candace Parker on the start of the NBA season. A long sit-down with Jamel Hill. Same with uh, Yahoo Sports senior NBA writer Chris Haynes, Renee Young of the WWE. And just please head to the Sports Media with Richard Deitch page. You can go through all the old podcasts, uh, a lot of what they call evergreen in the business, so you should be able to listen to them at any time. And if you like the content, please uh, give us a rating and a review. My thanks, as always, to uh, producer Lou Pellegrino. Shout out to uh, Cadence 13 as well for doing this podcast. We'll see you again on the Sports Media Podcast with Richard Deitch.